0: Good morning everybody, this is Callum Leslie on the Soapbox, uh, waking you up this morning and uh, dragging you up I like to think. Uh, We're going to be talking about all the big news stories of the past week. We've got uh, a talented array of panellists here for you this morning, but uh, we're going to start with a a little song and uh, we're going to start off with something a little bit more sedate, we're going to start with Nicole Atkins and Maybe Tonight. Nicole Atkins with Maybe Tonight, and uh, we're here with our star-studded panel uh, this morning. It's a a bumper four-person panel to try and get some semblance of political balance. Um, So first we have uh, on my right, we have uh, Matthew Bevan, who asked me to describe him as a bloke from my social history tutorial, so that'll do.
1: Hello, Colin. Thank you for having me.
0: Are you having a good morning?
1: I absolutely am.
0: Excellent. Uh, and to his right, we have my future flatmate and global democrat model UNer, um, yes the fair votes, lovey Alex Paul.
2: Hi, Helen. Thanks for the uh, MUN plug.
0: That's quite all right. We'll be at <laughs> MUN tonight. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I free, managed to free wine. As Israel last, last week, I managed to form an excellent alliance with the DPRK, which went <laughs> down really well. <laughs> and uh, to his right, we have uh, this week's special guest, who is the president of
3: NUS Scotland, Liam Burns. Morning, Cal. Good morning to you, Liam. How are you? A good, thank you. First time I've been into Fresh Airs. So it's really interesting.
0: Really? Yeah. Wow. That's uh, that's that's disgraceful. But anyway, <laughs> um, for your part as well. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to start with uh, something seems like we've got Liam here. Let's talk about uh, what Liam's probably spent most of his, I was going to say waking hours, but I don't <laughs> think there were any sleeping hours before this, were there?
3: No, quite. Uh, the budget was of course tabled um, back before Christmas in November. Um, and at that time we knew there was going to be challenging times for education coming forward. It had been proposed a 10.4% cut in teaching grants. Um, We uh, luckily managed to, after heavy lobbying, save EMA, which of course been scrapped in England. Um, We had promised that places would be protected in both colleges and universities. Um, And also the student support for higher education went up in real terms, so all that was really positive. But what was striking was that college student support, which comes in the form of bursaries, is cash limited, if it runs out, it runs out and students simply stop getting money, that was going to see a 1.7 million cut. Um, And that's a backdrop when college bursaries have been running out year on year for the past three years because of the increased amount of people coming to college due to the recession looking to upskill, reskill and less people dropping out. Um, So we made the call that we were going to prioritise um, college bursaries and and not waste the political capital on the 10.4% cuts, which in terms of universities we think can be absorbed. Colleges might be a different matter.
0: Okay, well... uh, Obviously, the budget was passed with uh, Liberal Democrat and Conservative support, so let's come to Matthew first. What's the uh, what's your your take on all of this?
1: Well, you see, it's interesting, the fact that the SNP has um, put so much support in for students. Do you reckon they're trying to buy some votes for the <laughs> Scottish election?
3: Well, it worked last time, didn't it, Liam? Uh, well, it did it work, we don't really know, but I- I'm not sure... We've done a lot of groundwork with the SNP in terms of college bursaries, making it quite clear how vital they are. Um, Not that I'd bite the hand that feeds me, but I think it's quite clear what the Scottish Liberal Democrats were looking to do here was draw a distinctive line between them and Liberal Democrats in the UK government for obvious reasons. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, So if you want to draw divide lines, I think that's where Liberal Democrats were were, were hedging their bets. In terms of the SNP... uh, it's tough because during the budget process we were locked out very much from knowing what the government was thinking, just because of the <laughs> sensitivities of the budget. Um, so knowing how much of this was being strong-armed and how much of it was pushing an open door is really hard to tell.
0: Alex, what was your thoughts on uh, the Lib Dems supporting an SNP budget? This is happening. This is happening year on year, and it's becoming a bit of a pattern. That's. Uh the Democrats are skeptical and then suddenly have a big change of heart.
2: Well, my first comment was actually going to be i love the f i love the comment of the conservative Derek Brownlee about the budget, which was it's obvious it's not a labor budget it balances and it doesn't add another two hundred billion pounds to national debt. which I thought a was a br- <laughs> brilliantly partisan comment and uh, a good opportunity to get in good opportunity to get in some uh, some some labor bashing, which is always the conservatives always go down with the conservatives um but no, I think it's you know this is what well, I mean, and especially with the push towards the AV referendum, this is what's going to, this is a good model for, for to demonstrate that, that parties can work together and that we're not, our politics is not necessarily about yaboo sucks and one side shouting at the other. So. I don't know.
0: Have you watched First Minister's Questions mm. lately?
2: Well, no, it's, I, I, yeah, I think I did, but I think I fell asleep last time. It's fairly.
3: <laughs> but yeah, that
2: wouldn't
0: surprise me.
3: I mean, what's really, uh, what's challenging about this is how much it's real. Uh, we know this is a budget that's passing just before a Scottish election. Um, are we likely to find a scenario that we found with the Westminster elections that a party of any or, or multiple colours comes in and simply says, well, there's no more cash left, we're going to have to do something quite drastic? My biggest worry is that this is something that, you know, isn't particularly bitter for anyone, but is it going to be realistic in the long term? I'm not too sure. It's a pre-election one, a vote winner. Quite, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah well, that that was the thing. The Labour were very sceptical of the budget. Labour, I saw some comments from, uh, from John Park saying that... Uh, a new coalition was forming in hollywood tonight what well, do you think that was maybe unfounded or did d- labour have a point anyone
1: i think that was just labour playing politics
0: Sh- labour in playing politics shock politicians in <laughs> Play playing politics, politics shocker man. okay well, I mean, obviously, this is the, the budget has gone through. What does it mean for students in real terms, Liam?
3: Uh, well, now that it's gone through I mean, uh, when we knew that cut was coming, um, you know, we launched a campaign, over 35,000 emails were sent. There was over 50 meetings with MSPs. And the result was that uh, an additional 15 million has been put into the budget for uh, bursaries specifically. So that's something that we're over the moon about. Long term, I, I wonder if I've made the wrong call in a certain regard. We've now It's now become very clear that that 10.4% cut to teaching grants in the college sector, who are far more reliant on public funding, is very, very meaningful. And we've now started hearing from Borders College, Dumfries and Galloway, Banff and Buchan, lots of, all over Scotland, people talking about um, significant n- numbers of redundancies. How you can make that size of redundancy and still protect the number of college places is beyond me and I guess that's the work we're doing just now to see whether that promise is going to be real or not.
0: Well that was something I wanted to uh, mention, I don't know if any of you have seen this, Liam you must have seen this but I don't know if the other two have seen this, um, was the occupation at Glasgow, um, the, the Hetherington building, Yeah. They've, uh, they've this building which was earmarked for closure has been taken yeah. over by some anti-cut students and their demands seem to be uh, we want no cuts, we want nobody to lose their job. We want the exact same number of places. We don't want any loss in any loss in money you're spending. So I don't know. Does that sort of does that sort of perhaps unrealistic demanding
3: hurt the student movement? Do you think? Or? Uh, well, look, there's two things here. First of all, Glasgow is not particularly reliant on public funding. And so, when you talk about a 10.4% cut that's been effectively slamming sliced across <clears> the sector, <throat> places like Glasgow don't have, and Edinburgh don't have as much to worry about. If we're being honest, Yay. places like University of West of Scotland, Napier, QM, far more meaningful for them, and that, that's where we should be really worried. In terms of Glasgow, I'm, I've got to say that they're not members of NUS, so it's been I've not yeah. had much contact of what it's about. I presume it's symbolic because the Heverington Club as far as I knew, was shut down because of financial misappropriation. It was nothing to do (laughs) with management cuts. (laughs) Um, So I think the occupation is about saying to their principal, we care about this. I do know there is a developing split on campus about how do we make sure that we try and stop cuts? Is it through kind of more radical action and, uh, and shooting for the stars, or is it more pragmatic negotiation? And I've seen that in kind of Facebook groups cropping up. Yeah, the, like
0: uh, they kettled your boss, didn't they?
3: And they did indeed, so I think that's something quite separate. That's, oh, <laughs> Glasgow genetically hate NUS, they absolutely despise us. That's they, true. They're born and turned up despising us. It's beyond me how that happens. But uh, arm was there at a Young Labour's conference, Um, uh, personal capacity, nothing to do with NUS. And unfortunately, yes, he was harassed by a number of students. I think that is far more to do with um, handling over previous occupations and demonstrations rather than anything to do with the Scottish budget or that context.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for bringing it back to the uh Quite the topic, the topic, topic,
3: yeah. Okay,
0: well, we're going to take another break and play another song. And uh, then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about benefit cuts. And we're going to talk about uh, MPs' expenses. But this is Alistair Griffin with Just Drive. Alistair Griffin would just drive there. And uh we were just having a little discussion in the break about the, the USA elections, but uh I don't think I'm allowed to talk about that on my show. Um I think that would be a little bit too close to broadcasting guidelines. So we're gonna move on to talking about MP's expenses and uh and other people doing things that are slightly inappropriate. Um obviously this this past week we've had two different MPs in court over their expenses. We had Eric Ailsley sentenced to one year in jail and uh Livingston MP Jim Devine uh, found guilty, and he's going to be sentenced in four weeks' time. Alex, what was your take on the the expenses cases as they unfolded?
2: It was a fairly horrible pit, mess of a, a mess of an issue. I mean, the problem is that if you look, the important thing is if you look at both all these MPs that have been sentenced, look at the size of their majorities. They're clearly sitting there on safe seats for life, so they just you know they're just going to sit there and play the system because they've got nothing to lose. Every the election comes round, they turn up and go, "Oh, I'm your Labour candidate, or I'm your whatever," you know whichever party they represent, and everyone goes, oh, I might as well vote for you then. They get back in and they're just going to... So, you know, they're just happy to sit there playing the system because they know that... They so you're, you're that they're saying not that no members. matter what
0: happens, Eric Hilsley and Jim Devine could stand in any... in, in, in their strong Labour seats and still get re-elected, I'm not think?
2: saying that they'd get re-elected. I'm saying you could probably pull up most animals with a red rosette on in these seats and get elected. But that's not a go at Labour. That's a go at our system. You could... the Conservatives the same. Not so much Lib Dems because... Oh, this is, is
0: what I get when I bring cardio. on the head of the AV, the S T V society, isn't it? Well, is yeah, that, that is an incredibly STV tenuous, like AV. Oh. What was it, Matt?
1: There's an STV society, no? There's an AV. A-Zone oh, society. an oh, an AV society. No, a yes, STV society. No, I wish. I thought you said there's an STI society. <laughs> 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 it's two there AVs. is.
0: It's called the Big Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, that was the worst panel at ten o'clock in the morning, Helen.
0: It it was. So, uh, Matthew, what was your take?
1: Well, I thought it was absolutely appalling. To be honest, like the whole the fact that it was two Labour MPs getting sentenced as well, they meant to be like the People's Party and it just so showed like a fundamental disconnection between the Labour Party and the people on the ground.
0: That's a, that's a that's a good point there Matt, obviously Coming from a Labour voter. Absolutely, I mean coming from a Labour voter and member yep. it's interesting that uh, it does seem to be, obviously it's interesting because the Tories when expenses first came out, seemed like the ones who were committing the worst offences Well hit.
1: if you're a multimillionaire you probably need to claim for expenses yeah. for fewer they, things I, was, apart from I mean they
0: did claim more expenses things like duck houses and moats and it was more stories Ridiculous. about the Tories than anyone else but it seems that Labour have been the ones who've been doing in terms of doing illegal claims of expenses it's been Labour who have been caught out by this
3: Liam what, what's your take? I mean it's really sad because actually no one of any political colour is going to come out of this unscathed this is, this is it's going to be such long term damage to any trust in the political system and you know really that rhetoric that Many of us involved in student politics would say, well, look, these people want to change things. Whatever you think of why they're doing it, you've got to respect that. Well, actually, you certainly don't have to respect this. I mean, obviously, there's a lot to learn from the Scottish Parliament. The way expenses were set up here were done in a, very purposely to make sure that it was much harder for people to be uh, be pulled into disrepute over the idea of expenses. Now, I'm not convinced that the reforms that have happened in the UK government and Westminster is actually going to result in more more confidence in how our politicians act. I mean, the only thing, and this is this is absolutely not excusing what people have now been convicted of, sometimes I do wonder if we've set people up to fail when uh, the wage of the job itself is purposely set low and then everything else is put on top by expenses. We'll actually just pay a decent wage oh, for a job. wage and then set let low? They, uh, I was going
1: to come in on that one. Yeah, is well, quite. Cool? I think it's well, not exactly... if you're Northern MP and you have to... Go to your constituency and live in London. There. You it's say Northern. Are you talking about Scotland. Well, no, you do go. concerned. the travel is paid for. But well, no, I mean, I think that's a, Liam
2: made a valid point. Is that perhaps we should think about maybe paying them, you know, a hundred and fifty thousand pounds a year and saying that's it, that's your wage. Well, pay will pay the public for will else. the public
0: swallow that? Do you think? Was I that, think there was an There was a there was a certain call for that when the expenses. Scandal first erupted. Do you think the public, obviously, 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 they weren't going to take it. They weren't going to accept it then.
3: A a result of expenses scandals cannot be you get a pay increase. (laughs) Exactly is the problem.
2: But I mean, yeah. But I mean, and and this is a pay increase. But I think if you looked at it carefully, and you know, obviously, some of the papers have come out. You can see the headlines now in some of the papers. But if you know, as long as the if you took the overall amount of money that they're being that MPs are paid in expenses and salary, and made sure that that didn't go up. You can argue that you're not increasing their pay. You're just you're just making rebalancing it so they can't claim more money.
0: You're just, I don't
3: know that that relies on the
0: newspapers reporting things as they are. Well, well this is say. it. and
3: I guess, Cam. Your question is: Is it ever going to be pol- uh, politically palatable to increase your wage t- to a level where you could get rid of expenses? No, it's probably not, and uh, and that's because there's been a succession of incredibly damaging. Things to happen to the reputation of politicians and politics in the UK. I mean, and it's really sad. I don't know how we come back from that.
2: Unless you do what the Supreme Court did, which is decide that their wage, their uh, cut in pay, is actually unconstitutional, <laughs> and refuse to accept okay. it that way. Which was uh, an interesting way. I,
0: I wanted to does any Does anyone think that's uh, talking about Eric Hoskley and his is is a year long sentence? Does anyone think it should be longer? Does anyone think it should be shorter? Does anyone think it's just right? It's the the Goldilocks sentence, if you will. Anyone have an opinion on the, the length of the sentence? or
3: it, It's difficult, because I don't know what people in the real world would get for fraud. Yeah, <laughs> That would be interesting to know to see what how it compares. But, I mean, let's face it, his, his career is now over. Um, he can no longer be in public life in any shape or form. He could never be in a trustee of any sort of organisation. could never be a governor. All the things that politicians usually would build as a portfolio career, it, it's never going to happen now. So, I, I mean, certainly he's been punished severely, severe enough... I don't know, I've never compared it to what other fraud cases might might have resulted in.
0: Do we think that, say, uh, when Jim Devine was talking about people telling him that it was okay to do what he did and uh, different people advising him, Tom Watson um, it was John, he dropped, tried to drop John McDonald in it at one point, do you, do you think that was just desperation or do you think there is something in that culture of, uh, of the old club together and help each other avoid expenses? Do you think that's that's Jim Devine was painting an accurate picture, or was he just trying to get his way out of it? I think,
2: I think evidence, you know, I think what came out at the time of the of the expenses scandal showed that, yeah, I think, I think he is being is true what he said about they're all in it together to avoid expenses. I mean, look, you know, look what happened when at the time they came out, they're all over the place claiming for endless things. You know, you know, some MPs would claim for everything on expenses up until they ran out of their allowance, then just pay for it out of their wage packet and stuff. So I think, I think there was. I mean, I think the system hadn't been reformed for years, and it was ripe. You know, it was a it was a ripe for corruption and abuse, and and they weren't. I mean, and most MPs were probably not dishonestly abusing it. They were just.
3: Well, you can't. Can you really dis not dishonestly abuse something? But I, I mean, the, the, we have to be clear on what the distinction here. It's not. It's not the idea of fiddling expenses on its own. It's the fact that you took public office and then fiddled expenses. Because actually, if we're being honest, and your listeners are being honest, I, I, don't tell me that people don't. Make sure that they get the maximum expenses for what they're able to get in any line of work. Difference here is he's in public office and he's taking public trust.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that. That's the problem, isn't it? I think that there is, you know, do you think there is a crisis of public confidence in politics? What with expenses and then the coalition happening and the obviously, I I, I had a very interesting email there, um, yesterday from Sheila Gilmore, who's the MP for Edinburgh East, because I'd asked her about um, about the EV referendum and something she said was quite i found quite interesting was she was saying that the public had been led to believe before the election that a coalition would mean that we would be able to get the best policies of every party but in practice that that wasn't the case because obviously it's still a majoritarian system so the party with the biggest slice of the coalition is getting is still getting some of their unpopular policies through do you think there's 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 something in that that, that that's maybe part of the I mean obviously the government has a massive disapproval rating at the moment I think it's down at minus 25 do you think that part of that is due to maybe the people, the public not completely understanding how coalitions work or
3: well <laughs> I'm not as sure as people don't understand how they're meant to work I think that is that the coalition well, We're not used not to them. Meant to, we're not used to them certainly I mean, S-
2: apart from Scottish and Welsh electors
3: I, but, uh, yeah and I, even I think that took us by surprise I mean mm. the problem was wasn't that where well, there was a mishmash of policy that got through, or, or maybe... In fact, actually, it might, it might be interesting to hear, there is positive things that Liberal Democrats have managed to get onto the agenda, but it's few and far between compared to what actually It's also not being at, reported. Uh, well, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which uh, I think
2: is the bigger problem.
3: That would be a... Pro- well, is it, though? Because I still don't believe that even with those few positive things, that people who voted Liberal Democrat in run a million years thought, this is what we'd result in, and this is what we'd get. I don't think people would say... Well, that's... Oh, is, uh, is it, that's isn't, that, um,
0: isn't that an example though of people not understanding coalition then
3: it's
2: also an example of people seeing the lib dems as a protest vote which is probably traditionally what they were and suddenly now they're in power and once you let the protest party depart they're always going to let you down
3: and i guess what i'm challenging is i'm not sure it's that the concept of coalition isn't working i'm saying this coalition is not working and it would be really interesting to hear anyone who's got a historical perspective when coalition's been in the past if it's been the same scenario but i've certainly not heard that that's been the case yeah i think there was
1: before once a liberal tory coalition and the liberal party got squeezed and finally that yeah that which didn't exactly help isn't isn't
2: that
0: just a consequence of being the third party though that you get squeezed all the time and that's that's what happens when there is a period of unpopular government you generally have an unpopular government and an opposition
1: and the third party gets squeezed but not necessarily i mean charles kennedy did well enough but that, but that's not that's not the start
0: of the government, not in 1997. Oh, right, okay, in, okay. In, when it came to 2001 and 2005, the Liberal Democrats were on a resurgence again. But it always seems to be that whenever there's a change of government, the third party loses out. It just so happens that this time the third party is part of the government. I suppose in, in that sense, it's not that unusual that the Liberal Democrat poll rating has plummeted. It's just It's just a problem because they're part of the government.
1: I think um, what really annoys people as well is the fact that Liberal Democrats have to come out and defend that clearly Tory policies mm, yeah. that they're clearly uncomfortable with. And I don't think that does anything for public confidence when politicians are essentially coming out and arguing for things that go against their principles and go against what platforms they stood on. Which is what Simon Hughes was forced to do on Newsnight. Yeah. I, no, not Newsnight, sorry, Question Time. Yeah. yeah. yeah that, that's Uncomfortable that, viewing. Yeah. yeah,
0: Simon Hughes, Danny Alexander, Joel
1: Swinson. Joel I think Danny Alexander's in his comfort zone, actually. Well he it was is, told Danny? he was yeah. told
2: someone said I've heard I've heard stories that there's been Liberal Democrat politicians on the ground sending messages up to Daniel his office saying, Look, we're fine with you announcing Tory plans, but stop bloody smiling. Yeah. Time <laughs> <you> do. <laughs> Don't do look <laughs> so pleased
0: about <laughs> it. And <laughs> I <laughs> oh, was I was something else that um I, a liberal democrat will remain nameless. Uh Carlos Wesley. No, not me, actually. <laughs> someone who said to me that they were particularly concerned um, about Joe Swinson. And because obviously she's parliamentary private secretary to Vince Cable, and seems to be the yes man to the policies that even Vince Cable isn't the yes man for. (laughs) He's he's gone from looking like everybody's favourite uncle to the saddest old man in the country. And is that I don't think coalition's good for Vince Cable's health.
2: Did you hear the joke about him and the new new market races or the? No, I didn't. It was oh right, okay, it was.
3: You can t- I, I N- tell, I have a feeling, <laughs> feeling <laughs> no, that's going to be a, rather hurtful and here. annoying. I mean, your so- point on, on Joe Swinson is actually is really interesting because Joe Swinson, we've had to do had a lot of dealings with and obviously put a lot of pressure on because if we can get the PPS to Vince Cable to come out against tuition fees during that whole process, then that would have been a big win. Now, what was interesting was Joe Swinson is someone who's been verdantly anti tuition fee for a long time, a lot of really public campaigning on that. And when I met her, I literally had to say, i'm not convinced you don't think this is a good idea <laughs> like you're selling to this this to me incredibly well and I, the problem is if you think that's a reality of coalition then coalition is a problem because i don't see how the public will ever have trust in that system going forward okay well on that lovely somber note about the death of our political
0: system to come <laughs> we're going to go to another song and uh when we come back we're going to be talking about incapacity benefit um we're going to be talking about bill Aitken's comments about rape victims and if we have time If I can be bothered, we're going to talk about The Big Society again, but frankly, it's dull. This is the Gaslight Anthem with American Slang. The Gaslight Anthem with American Slang there. Uh, One of my favourite songs at the moment. A little bit loud for the morning, but you know what? It's my show. I'll play what I like. Um, So we're going to talk about Bill Aitken now. Bill Aitken, who I always think looks a little bit like a character from Wind in the Willows. Um... He made some comments yesterday about uh, rape victims, uh, or in particular, one one rape victim in Glasgow, and uh, it's caused a little bit of controversy. Um, he was talking about a woman that was raped uh, in Renfrew Lane in Glasgow on Thursday, uh, last Thursday, and uh, made some comments. But so has nobody asked her what she was doing in Renfrew Lane? Renfrew Lane is known as a place where things happen. Put it that way. And he did go on to clarify that it's an area where a lot of hookers take their <laughs> clients. There's a lot more, always a lot more to these city centre rapes than meet the eye. Yes,
2: now,
1: personal experience. I'm just glad he's not mincing his words there. He say- just, just comes out with it. Why did you keep saying, put it that way? It's like, suit you, sir. Towards <laughs> the end of a sentence, it's appalling.
0: So do we? Do we think? Uh, what, what do we think about Blake? Do we think? Do we think it's right? We think or? his English is appalling. Clearly, well, that's true. <laughs> do we? Um, he made a statement later, apologising. Um, do we think that uh, an apology is enough? Or no? Do we
3: want to? We want to see him go. Do we? Uh, look, he needs to resign now. I mean, th- th- there's just so many layers to how this is. We've gone past the point of this is inappropriate for a, a, someone in public office. This is just outright disgusting. What this guy's <laughs> yeah. been saying. I mean, he's the community safety shadow spokesperson, and he he's has, also
0: convener of the justice committee, which makes, uh, our, which can make laws in this country.
3: Which, uh, and so for the idea of him to, and just so many different ways. First of all, trivialise the idea of rape. Secondly, to paint a picture that there's somewhat circumstances in which it would be appropriate. And do you know the real sad thing is? One of the biggest problems with uh, rape trials in this country or lack of them is that people don't come forward. Women are far too scared Absolutely. to come forward because yeah. people will, will demonise them, will come up with excuses of why they're in the wrong. Will... Well, he even, says that, he even says that, he says that, uh, let me find
0: the quote, he says that there's, uh, the police say that there's a lot of drunken carry-ons that result in rape allegations which are subsequently dropped, <clears throat> put it that way so he you know he says nothing about rape, about unreported rape but he's saying that there's plenty of false, he actually, repro- just false says, he actually
2: just says she's literally you know I think to use the old Russian term a loose woman he says I think there may be fear if they're worried that somebody talks and the world gets back to their boyfriend so he's basically saying that you know she's just she's just got loose morals and that
0: he he genuinely thinks that there's a difference between somebody, but he, even if the woman is a prostitute, let's be honest. He, he this man genuinely thinks there's a difference between raping someone, raping someone who isn't a prostitute, and raping someone who is. He says, "Well, the prostitute has possibly put herself in a position of some vulnerability." It's,
2: it's back to that old culture of, "Well, if the girl wears a short skirt, she's asking for it."
3: Absolutely, that's that's exactly the problem. And it's not even that extreme. I mean, one of the things he says is. I really think we need to know more about these cases. What more do you need to know, Bill? Someone said they've been raped. Is that not enough for a criminal investigation? But also... So has nobody asked her what she's doing in Renfrew Lane? What, so well, so where yeah. a woman goes is somewhat an invitation to the idea of being raped. It's not like even what it's they're wearing, just, it's now where, where, it's they, where are. they are. It's where they are. It's the, the idea, idea, idea that
1: a city has a designated rape zone where <laughs>
2: people shouldn't go. I, th- I don't ridiculous. think he was implying that Renfrew Lane's a rape zone. I think he was implying it's a hooker zone and it's, that she's yeah. a prostitute. No, she, she has yeah. a prostitute. Has no and right so to rape clean. is then expected. which Yeah, the, 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 which is, is actually the more insidious... Yeah. Uh, you know, insinuation, which is that What's because he, she's a re- hooker, she's a hmm. prostitute, she should expect to be raped. It's why like is, he, why part, is
3: he, why is he commenting? Why is he commenting at all? I, I can't, from the article, well, quite figure out well, why one well, He is,
0: he is the shadow minister for community safety and the head of the justice committee, so obviously, you know, uh, uh, there have been a, a spate of, uh, of lane, lane rapes as they're being called, which is horrifically titled, in Glasgow, it's uh, the fourth city centre sex attack since Christmas. Um, so he obviously was being asked to, to, to comment on the the, the 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 circumstance. I'm trying to put this really delicate... <laughs> and way. so
3: the, the response of the community safety spokesperson is not to deal with the fact that there's clearly a, a, there's a safety issue, it's to declassify that safety issue so that the problem goes away. What? So it's not a stat anymore, just say, well, it wasn't rape, was it? So it's not a problem. Or, the, or, the, exactly if, she, or if she's
2: asking for it, it doesn't really matter if she's raped. <laughs>
3: I mean, Bill
0: Aitken is obviously on his way out. He's uh, standing down as an MSP this time, and uh, I think a lot of people would say, Good riddance after this.
3: Well, no, he needs to go in na- that. I mean, Annabelle Goldie's statement is really interesting because she's not come out condemning condemning him, which she needs to do as soon as possible, but also the quote being, Rape is abhorrent, crime for women, regardless of who the woman is. Like, she, she's she got to the crux of what the problem was. Yeah, that's, that's what I was so. going to say. She has condemned yeah, She's clearly got set, it.
0: <laughs> but uh, she refuses to condemn him. She walked away when asked if she supported him.
2: Yeah. Um I think perhaps actually what the most worrying thing about this is that it says Aitken has been a district court judge. Now <laughs> yeah, that's regardless of the saying. fact he's an MSP, it's the fact that is you know, this now makes this now over makes over me make well. yeah and this now makes me worry. Is this view prevalent among our judges? And if it is, that's actually I'd actually be more worried about that than if some MSP comes out and says oh you know, I'd actually be more worried if our district court judges think that rape is women asking for it than some MSP thinks so I'm, I'm more upset by that
0: so fi- final word do we think Bill Aitken should resign Matt? yes, yes. no yes. absolutely everyone okay <laughs> the unanimous view unanimous view of fresh air is that Bill Aitken should resign uh, that's the unanimous view of, uh, of of fresh air the NUS and uh, the Liberal Democrats and yes to fair and yes to fair, yes to fair votes <laughs> think Bill Aitken should resign um, okay, well that was just that was just a quick link. We're we're, we're kind of running out of time. Uh, we're getting to towards ten ten to the hour, so we're going to be playing our uh, our new song for the week, which is uh, something to shout about. Our regular feature, um, which I managed to screw up last week. Well, I say I screwed up. The computer was screwed up, so I couldn't play the song. But uh, I've managed to fix it this week. A bad woman always blames his tools. Absolutely, and uh, we're going to play a song by a band called The Glitch, um, called All I Know. Um, You can catch them on February the 20th at Rock the Heroes in Kirkcaldy and uh, you can find them at myspace.com forward slash The Glitch and this is All I Know which is one of my favourite songs by them It features their guitarist Stuart Taylor on Nordic Fiddle as well So um, we'll let you have a play of that and then we'll come back and uh, see what we think That was The Glitch with All I Know That was our uh, featured new track of the week so very quickly what do people think?
1: I wish them well in the future and all their future endeavours. <laughs>
0: Matthew's not a fan.
2: Alex, I thought it was it was not bad. I like the like the use of a fiddle. That's always a, a break. It's something the a bit usual different, isn't it? Guitar, drum-based. Yeah. is and it just him?
0: No, no. There's there's, there's the whole band. Oh, all right. Okay, they're, they're called. So Big I thought
2: you, I thought you implied it was just one man.
0: <laughs> what, like. Share or Prince, just one guy. Okay, um, Liam, the official view of NUS Scotland?
3: Uh, yeah, we have policy <laughs> to support this song. Um, I actually thought it was really good, but I'm notoriously bad taste in music. It was quite. Um, I was saying there, it's, it would fit well on a Dawson's Creek soundtrack. It's quite. Um, oh, I, uh, I could see some teenage romance splitting up as that song went on. I have know?
0: to say, I do know Jordan is a big Dawson's Creek fan okay, of the singer, so uh, <laughs> that, that will go down well. Um, you can't have as bad music taste as uh, a Stevie Wise, to be fair who's running for NUS, uh, deputy, deputy, in, in, a in link, link deputy president. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I feel I have to give a plug to my fellow Edinburghian.
3: But the first time in a while, it's had a sabbatical at NUS.
0: That's because NUS hate, uh, sir. If you want to listen like, <laughs> Which is <laughs> not true. <laughs> <laughs> gonna, like,
3: clarify that <laughs> now, thank <he's like. laughs> you. <Special laughs> policy. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah, Liam, um, I was a guest on, uh, NUS's policy pod this week. Uh, Liam and Stevie and I were all there. And, uh, my favourite quote, it uh, just stays with me is this, reeks of use of sabbatical so if you want to hear what made liam say that um, you can download the nus policy pod from tomorrow morning uh,
3: yeah just search for nus policy pod on itunes
0: and you got anyone else got anything they want to plug
3: Nope. okay well yes to fair votes
0: obviously matt you got anything you want to plug no come see me and matt's history presentation at 12 o'clock today it's gonna to be a stormer
1: it's gonna be absolutely amazing <laughs> Callum sounds
2: much more excited about it than you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: you know, just under, just undersell it there, uh, Matt. Okay, so let's, let's get back to politics, and um, now we've done our plugs, let's talk about incapacity benefit. Um, new pilot study out, it came out, this news broke yesterday, that say uh, all those receiving benefit in Burnley and Aberdeen had been reassessed and some 29% were deemed fit to work immediately, uh, while 39 could consider working with help. Um, is this is obviously uh, leading to further benefit reforms from the new government, do we have an opinion on this? Do we think that, that's, that it's right that those 29% should be working or should they be allowed to have incapacity benefit?
1: Yes, I do have an opinion on this and that is the media has consistently misrepresented all welfare issues, like even the BBC, the title is, uh, the headline, Incapacity Benefit Review Suggests Majority Can Work, which isn't necessarily true because I went on the D- Department of Work and Pensions website. And it showed that 29.6% of this pilot scheme, so it's a sample, 29.6% are fit for work, so they get shifted on the JobSeekers Allowance. That's fine. If they're found fit to work, they should be on JobSeekers. Then uh, 31.3% are shifted in the support group for the new ESA, and that's the people who get unconditional support. They just can't work. Um, And the interesting figure is that the 39% are put into the work-related activity group. And this is where the two-thirds figure comes from. And if you get put into the work-related activity group for, for the ESA, it's starting the journey back to work. I must admit, yeah, my no, question I... about it is, are the
2: 39% including... It is not clear if the 39% also include the 29%. Because if they do, then it's obviously not... Uh, no, low, it, they're it, they're it, it, that doesn't matter. Oh, so they're just adding the 29% to the thing. And, and you get to be
1: placed in this group. and right, uh, This is actually true. You get placed in, into the journey back to work group if... You are an inpatient at a hospital or similar institution. You're suffering from a life-threatening disease whereby there is medical evidence that the disease is uncontrollable, and, or three, that you're receiving chemotherapy. Well, they're clearly just not, you know, they just clearly
3: can't be really bothered to work. That's quite a, a rocky journey, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd say,
0: yeah, that, that, was, that was my point. That, um, it does the incapacity benefit <laughs> review suggest majority can work actually only says that about 29.6%. Exactly, exactly. Could, can I, as you say, can start I make a slightly controversial
2: back? comment about this and think it back to student EMA like Uh-huh. Which is going to be that I think like... You can make any controversial okay, comment you I want. Think, I think like EMA that it's... it's it's. I mean, my issue with EMA is I I don't think I think it's a good in principle. I don't think it's well targeted, which is the coalition's point. However, I don't think just because a benefit is not targeted at the people it should be, and that there are people claiming it who shouldn't deserve it, because there are people at my school who claimed EMA and used it to spend and used it to pay for the petrol to the Arsenal away game that weekend. Oh, we I can, we can yeah, all tell stories. We can all tell that But 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 my point is that that is not a reason for scrapping EMA. It's a reason for overhauling it, and it's a reason for reforming it. But to overhaul and reform something does not mean you just get rid of it to start off with. So, you know, I think this is the same this incapacity yeah. benefit is that, yes, the system needs overhaul and reform to be re looked at, but that doesn't mean that to overhaul and reform it, you just delete it to start off with and be like, well, now that no one's getting the benefit, now we can think about overhauling it. Mm. You need to overhaul it, reform it, and improve what you already have in place. The principle Le- is Liam? right. Oh, someone's be- made a
0: tenuous link to student issues. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <Yeah. laughs> Shoehorn me in there. Um, I mean, I don't disagree. Alex pointed about um EMA is actually one of the things that we've argued quite strongly is that. EMA in colleges here in Scotland serves so a very different purpose from EMA in schools in that EMA is actually the thing that you live NUS on, policy club coming up. Rather than um, rather than an incentive. It was, EMA was meant to be incentive and it, it grew away from that and it's far from it now. Well, the, the government research said that it didn't work. I think, uh, well, well, actually, uh, well, no, that's not true. The Scottish government showed that it worked in a huge, massive way, actually. Um, as an incentive. Oh, sorry, no, you're right. It yeah. didn't work as an incentive. <laughs> Um, but it was a, a lifeline and people needed it. But, yeah, I absolutely. mean, your point is targeting things where they have the right purpose, not just maintaining people on benefits but helping them to get back into work. My problem with this is, first of all, it's been questioned already with people saying, well, the, the assessment that was used... is." Probably not fit for purpose. And, and it was you, only it it was only well.
0: one thousand three hundred forty seven people. Well, th- so there's a question
3: with the study. There's a question with how the actual um, uh, the test of whether what category you go into is is yeah. fit and proper. That's one thousand three hundred forty
0: seven out of one point five million people. And,
2: and if we're really keen on conspiracy theories, how much did the government lean upon the people who wrote the re- wrote the review to? come out with the answer they wanted
3: absolutely Uh, the the aim of this is to save public money (laughs) and the problem is no one's ever honest about that it's not as if they're just suddenly finding lots of people that have been hiding from us for years and years it's that they want to claw back money from what was in the benefit system it's ideological at best Okay, well, we're going to have to wrap it up there because it's uh, 30 seconds to 11.
0: In fact, the person that does the 11 o'clock show has not turned up for two weeks in a row, so uh, you never know. I may just stay next week, but uh, I know that we've all got other places to be. So, uh, you know, we're going to wrap it up with uh, the John Butler Trio on Funky Tonight, and uh, thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back next week with uh, hopefully as good an array of guests as we've had this week, but uh, you know, thank you for coming, Matt. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Thanks, Talon. And thank you to our special guest, Liam Burns. No problem. This is the John Butler Trio with Funky Tonight.